Hello, and welcome to Witness to Hope um, for the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I am Tim Potter. And I'm Stephanie Potter. Um, So I'll start with a relatively short summary of the readings. Uh, They kind of demand a bit of a longer summary this week, just so we can dig into them a bit better. Um, So the first reading is from the prophet Amos. uh, And basically, it's uh, Amos giving the message from the Lord, uh, warning to those who are sprawling and feasting and kind of lazing around, uh, drinking, making new musical instruments was one of the notes, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, But these people are feasting, but they don't care about the ruin of Joseph. So this is talking about the ruin of the house of Israel. Um, And then it ends with this line, this is why they will be the first to be exiled, the sprawlers. Revelry is over. Uh, so that's that's a pretty strong reading. Uh, and then the uh, epistle is from Paul to Timothy. It's the first letter to Timothy. And it's Paul sending a letter of encouragement and I would argue mission to Timothy. Uh, he encourages him to fight the good fight, to continue to give the same witness that he did at the time of his conversion, um, and to keep it up until Christ returns. And then finally, the Gospel of Luke is uh, a familiar to me story anyway. Um, It's in the musical Godspell, so that's what I always think of. Um, But it's the rich man and Lazarus, and this rich man has everything. Uh, He's living this lavish life, and Lazarus is living on the streets. Dogs are licking his festering wounds as he starves to death, and he would just love to have the scraps from the rich man's table. So they both die, and um, Lazarus is brought up to heaven where he's comforted, and the rich man goes down, as it says in the gospel, to Hades, and he cries up to Father Abraham about it, and Abraham says, you know what? You had your comfort in life. You know, Lazarus gets his comfort now. Uh, And so the rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his five brothers so that they can be reprieved from the same horrible end. Uh, And Abraham says, no, they have the law and the prophets. Uh, That's everything that they need. And the man says, but if they see someone raised from the dead or rise from the dead, they'll be convinced. To which Abraham says, you know what? If they have the law and the prophets and they don't get it, they're not going to believe it when a man rises from the dead. So I found that, anyway, I found that really interesting. Um, uh, Just as a a preface, because we were talking about it before, there's a real danger in interpreting these readings, especially as um, amateur biblical scholars. Um, that you can read this as really anti-Hebrew, anti-Jew. Um, but I think we have to sort of take it from the perspective that Jesus himself was a Jew. Um, and even in the first reading, uh, God was the Lord of the house of Israel. That does come up in the reading. Um, these are his chosen people, his children. So this is God reaching out to his people um, to try to set them back on the right path. Um, you know, he's he's going to exile the sprawlers, but at the end of the day, his concern is very much for the house of Jacob, the house of Joseph, the house of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the, with the reminder in the first reading, this is Jesus's kind of warning because he is going to die and then come back from the dead. And he knows because Christ is God and has knowledge outside of time that 
even on his return, the Jews aren't going to automatically become Christians, that that's not how it's going to work. A lot of them will continue to not be, um, to not believe that he was the Messiah. Um, so that's, you know, that's a fair comment, it, you know, so he reminds them again, they have the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets is theirs. And that is enough to point them to the fact that God is the father of their house. And God is their father. The rest of us are being grafted onto the nation of Israel. We become children of Israel by the, you know, the spirit of adoption that Christ gives us as his brothers and sisters. It's, it's interesting. Um, we're seeing almost two, two different sides of, of who God is um, in the first reading and the second reading. And um, it's... It's, I guess, that saying about a parent, you know, talking to their child, I'm not here to be your friend, I'm here to be your parent. Mm-hmm. And in the, the the first reading, we see that, you know, God is, is tired of being ignored. I and asked you to clean your room ten times, and you're just laying in there playing Legos. And he's basically saying that, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being ignored, you know, the, the sprawlers... Mm-hmm. Like it, your free ride is over, mm-hmm. and you know I, I said something similar to our kids mm-hmm. just the other day, and you know I, I was tired of being ignored, and um, and then in, into the second reading, like I, I think just to go back, I, I think that this is something that we can all relate to, whether we have children or not, mm. that sometimes we just feel like we're talking to the walls, and. Mm you know, and we're expecting an answer and really nothing's going to happen. So to kind of experience this reading where God is talking to his chosen people Mm. and saying that, you know, the free ride's over, kind of it, it helps us, I think, in this day and age, kind of solidify our relationship with God and the people from the Old Testament. And I said a couple of weeks ago that the connection with ourselves and the Old Testament is incredible because there, it's thousands of years since this, this storyline, this timeline, uh, mm-hmm. everything happened. And these people, they, they experienced God's love in a, you know, almost a, a wrath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we get to Paul's uh, letter to Timothy, which is is very important to me personally, uh, as it, it was a reading I chose to read at uh, Father Roberto Donato's ordination to the priesthood. And, um, you know, it, to, to see both sides of it, um, you know, we see... Uh, the the reason I chose it is that it was like a letter of, like you said, encouragement. You know, mm-hmm. you can do this. Fight the good fight. Go out there and and win the race. But, you know, don't take anyone down with you along the way. So, uh, I, I see it as a very vocational reading. Mm. But I also see it as relationship reading so you know we talk about you know i'm i'm 
not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your parent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't have a close relationship with your children or, you know, your spouse or, or whatever. Well, and it's our job. And I think this is where that kind of relates in is it's our job to encourage them on the right path. So Paul's reminding Timothy of his real mission, which is to give witness to Christ. Um, and I, you know, it, it just, to me, like, I, I love that reading for the same reason. I mean, we often hear the fight the good fight. It doesn't mean that Christ wants us to go and punch people in the street and engage in vigilante justice. It's literally about sort of, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Um, no, that's not what he wants. Uh, you know, it's about um, sort of fighting through our own fear, um, fighting through uh, preconceptions about Christianity that, that are false, to offer an authentic witness uh, as to who Christ really is, the change he's had in our own lives. Because that's, I mean, the witness is literally the witness to who uh, God has made me. And that's Paul's whole story. You know, he always says, I am the worst of sinners. I've had this terrible life, but look what God has done in me. And look what God is doing through me. Mm -hmm. So the witness is about the transformation, not just a witness of, look, God is. No, God is in me. Yeah. God has done something in me um, that has changed the course of my history. And in Paul's case, changed the course of uh, human history. Yeah, he, absolutely. He's, you know, he's an apostle. He becomes an apostle in that light. Um, I, I also found it was, uh, as I was looking through I uh, that first reading, I, I thought of our kids too. Um you know, yeah. God just being like, come on, guys, come on, wake up, do your thing, get back. Remember, you know, you get benefits by being our children or, you know, we, you have a, a roof over your head. You know, uh, as far as the history of the Jewish people, um, they see God as their, you know, protector. He's helping them win wars. You know, uh, they're breaking down walls in Jericho. God is incredibly active in the nation of Israel. It's not about good feelings and the things we do because of our good feelings. Uh, we offer uh, the worship that we do um, in thanksgiving for a God who has taken a personal interest in our specific nation, um, which isn't really how, I mean, aside from maybe America, it's not really how we see uh, Christ in Canada. We don't no. see him as taking a personal interest in our nation. Um, so basically he's saying like, listen, I, I'm taking care of you. I'm putting a roof over your head. I'm, I'm helping to keep, you know, the black night at bay. Um, so do these one or two things that I ask of you. Don't just sit around in your, you know, lavishness, which you wouldn't have if I wasn't your God. Um, and take care of the house, the ruin of the house of Joseph. And it's interesting, too, he picks Joseph. It makes me wonder um, about this specific historical context, because whenever we hear Joseph, we're automatically supposed to think of the going to Egypt and the being in Egypt. So are we in a moment of exile? Um, you know, all this stuff. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I just, I, I flag that um as a comment that he says Joseph instead of the house of Jacob, the house of Israel, the the house of Abraham. Yeah. We usually, he is not usually listed um, yeah. in the, it's I am the God of your fathers, blah, blah, blah. Joseph's name usually isn't on the list. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't catch that just 
Uh, I'm so used to hearing patriarchy type <laughs> names throughout mm-hmm. the the Old Testament. So it's interesting. I, I didn't grab on to that. Um, but I guess to to the gospel, mm. uh, it's it's interesting. I find how Jesus once again uh, tells tells a parable to mm. help us understand that you know he's here, he's going to raise raise up from the dead, and there are people that will not accept that mm-hmm. God is real. They that, didn't then, even though many of them like, saw it with he, their own eyes. He was there. They could you know kind of like. Thomas, you know, mm-hmm. you know, touch the the wounds and everything, and that's a very natural thing to not believe in the raising from the dead. I mean, that's, yeah. generally speaking, this is not a thing that happens. No, no, <laughs> no. But I, I guess to to tie it in with um, the, it's it's like the the connection that mm-hmm. brings the the first and the second reading together, which mm-hmm. I understand that's how readings work and how they're chosen, but because it's it's a good mix of that angry God and that loving God that is willing to, you know, that warm, fuzzy feeling, but, you know, you have to fight for it. You can't, you're not it's just... missional. Yeah. He's sending us, to, to use your, your mission example, he's sending us to convert those those hearts Mm. not necessarily uh you know hit them in the head with the bible kind of thing Mm -hmm. but just more like if you want if you want to feel this love that you experience in paul's letter to timothy Mm -hmm. um you know love as i have loved Mm mm-hmm but accept the fact that if you're going to represent me, that I am going to call you to task. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of like once once the kids start cleaning their room, well, I want them to clean you know the hallway in front of their room <laughs> because the expectation grows that you're you're good in your room. Mm-hmm. So let's bring that outside too. And I think that you know our hearts are are that temple, are the bedroom that you know. It's easy Sunday for one hour, one hour a week to be in that place with God and say, all right, th- this is where I'm mm-hmm. going to be. But once I go outside the doors, I'm, I'm not going to be that person. And I, I struggle with it every single day. And, you know, that one hour, one and a half hour, mm-hmm. it's good. I'm there. I'm at peace. I'm with my community. But as soon as I'm outside... There's that fear, mm-hmm. but God is calling me to task. He's inviting me to be his instrument in a world that doesn't want music anymore. Yeah. So I think that this, uh, falls under the, uh, frozen chosen thing that we kind of have. Have you not heard this before? No. Oh no, this is great. I think this may be a father James Mallon expression. So I will not take personal credit for coming up with the frozen chosen. Um, this relates again, back to that first reading. Um, we should be like Timothy, 
you know, going out and fighting the good fight. But like you said, we get complacent. It's easy to give our one hour, but sometimes we can sit in the pew and become the frozen chosen where we just, we don't know how to move. We don't Mm -hmm. know how to do anything. We sit still um, and we ignore the fact that we are called to be in the world. We are called to be missional. We are called to participate in the worship too. I mean, that's the context Father James kind of uses it in is, you know, you ever see that at church, the people who are just, they look, you know, a little, a little quiet on the outside and that's fine. Everyone worships in their own way. And I am one of those that is prone to the frozen chosen face while my heart is uh, a little bit more ablaze. So this isn't about judging external appearances, But uh, yeah, I think we can be like that about our missional aspect too, where we can get frozen in our spot and just say like my one pew at the front of the church um, where I come every Sunday for that one hour or hour and a half, if you go to our church, um, that's enough. Mm -hmm. I don't have to really take my Christianity out the door. I can leave it there in the pew and pick it back up next Sunday like like an old coat. (laughs) It's very comfortable. It's not enough. It is... uh it, it is rather interesting. I, I, it's something that we may have touched on a couple of weeks ago as well, but how if, if it was meant to be... Hold on. It's coming to me. <laughs> it came to me while you were talking, so I, I, know, I, 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 I'm didn't, sorry. I didn't want to interrupt. I wanted to get my frozen chosen thing in there. It was really funny. Um, but, it, you know, about fight the good fight, and it's not meant to be easy. And so, you know, a fight, when you prepare for a fight, whether, you know, you're boxing or whether it's just a mental struggle, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You train. You have to train. It's just how it is. But um, how we train and how we fight or how we present ourselves and how we express God's love through us and in us is... You know, if someone doesn't know who God is, but they only experience God through you, who is God to them? Mm-hmm. Where, it, Where's the love coming from? Is it going to be that angry God from the, the first reading where you're going to basically go and say to your, your friend who doesn't know who God is, you're going... To not survive this life. It's like that big brother. Watch out, floaters! Yeah. <laughs> or are you going to be the second reading? And and even into the gospel, where you're just kind of that bridge between your um, between God and this person who mm-hmm. needs to experience both love and tough love. And I, I think that that's... That that's what's important. Yeah, I think it's our role to not so much give the tough love. So that's a that's like a really great distinction. Is that it is very much God's job to give the tough love because He knows first of all what's going on inside of someone's heart. However, it is our job to also be just really honest with people. You know, there's that uh, that quote: "Share the truth in love." Hmm. So you know, not let people. Um, 
uh, not ignore, let's say, the behavior of people that we have an opportunity to sort of speak to their hearts in that way. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and, and cuff you upside the head. Like, that's not my job. I'm not, I am not your God. I am not your mother. Uh, as a mother and as a father, it is our job to frequently correct our children's behavior and to form them um, in such a way that they will be open to Christ um, and just and good citizens and stuff too. <laughs> yeah. O- open to God's love, but respectful of that love as well. Mm. And, you know, to experience it, you have to, I think, and a lot of this is opinion, so don't. <laughs> Uh, to experience God's love is that you have to um, be willing to accept it, but willing mm-hmm. to give it. You, you can't just, it can't be a one-way street. You have to, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's it's like that, you know, when you end up pointing at someone mm. and there's, you know, three, four, three fingers pointing back at you. And a thumb. And a thumb. <laughs> um, but... You know, when we have our hand stretched out to help someone, that means that we're willing to give all five fingers. Yeah. And and I think that we just have to be able to teach our children, but also teach ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I need to experience that tough love mm-hmm. from God the Father. But I also have to be willing to you know, run the race, fight the good fight. I have to mm-hmm. understand that, that St. Paul was a sinner and I'm a sinner as well, mm-hmm. but I have to be willing to accept the love that God is, is giving me mm-hmm. so that I can ultimately be with him for eternity. Exactly. And I think um, just to, again, use someone else's metaphor there, um, this one's Dr. David Dean. Look him up on Twitter at Dean with an E there at the end, theology. Um, that once we have the Holy Spirit, I know I'm, I'm plugging all the people today. Um, uh, yeah, once we have the Holy Spirit, it's like we get infected, right? And we want to spread that infection to our children. We want to do it in such a way that Christianity becomes viral. It's not about forcing them. It's about spreading the good news that way uh, and, and, and just creating an environment where Christ can be encountered. Um, and that's, that's a tough thing, I think, for any one of us to do and internally to always be accepting. Because like you said, uh, it's not a one-way street. Um, I would see it as a conduit, you know, where it passes through us to other people um, and and opens them up so that they can have their own experience where the Holy Spirit kind of comes to them um, individually too. So it's sort of like they experience the Holy Spirit through us and then they also receive the Holy Spirit once they say yes, you know. Mm. They see Christ in us and then invite Christ into themselves. But first we infect them. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I love that metaphor of Christianity spreading like an infectious disease because uh, it sounds terrible, but it's actually really good. I mean, that's really what we want. Mm. So I, I think, I mean, before we, we close with prayer, uh, just quickly like to apologize for last week. Um, long story short, um, we got busy and, you know, with, with the kids and, um, Stephanie being being back in school and, and everything, uh, we, 
we just let this slide. So we do apologize. Uh, but we we seem to be back. So um, we we ask for for your prayers as as we we close in prayer. Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Jesus, thank you again for this time together as we reflect on on your readings. Um, give us the strength to to accept your love, but to also uh, share your love. Help us to to find strength in that love, so that we may one day be face to face with you and and experience the glory that that you so willingly offer to us. We ask this in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen.